What is up, everyone? Welcome to the Old English D, a Detroit Tigers podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Casey, as always, joined by Josh. Josh, I usually start these off by asking how you're doing. And I, I do I do care. I do I do truly care. Um, but I have a feeling I already know how you're doing with uh, the recent terribleness that is the world of Tigers baseball. So maybe give us one bright spot that's happened to you in the last week since we last coalesced, since we last talked, and maybe you can lift our spirits. How are you doing this week, Josh? You know, Casey, as of currently, as of right now, this moment, I'm not doing half bad. My daughter, I got her to laugh for me for the first time ever just about 20 minutes ago. So That's delightful. That makes me really happy. In personal news, it's 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 not all bad right now. Now, when it comes to baseball, not as upbeat are we going to be this podcast. It's been a little bit rough since the last recording. You know, we said it last week, too. I, I mean, I, I should have known, too. We were like, man, we're trying to keep things positive. You know, there really wasn't anything negative to talk about. You know, they're... they're were a couple things that we we could have griped on from the Tigers, but we were we were riding high. We were at the end of May. We closed out an amazing month. I think we went like 16 and 11, 16 and 12, something like that. Above 500 for the first time since September of 2021. And we were on cloud nine. As Tiger fans, as baseball fans, we liked the product that was on the field. And then the 48 hours after the podcast posted were probably some of the worst 48 hours a Tigers fan could endure. Would you like me to retell the 48 hours as they went? I mean, I feel like chronologically makes the most sense that we, we can lay it all out. Mm-hmm. This is, mm-hmm. a, you know, for Tigers fans that aren't quite sure about this episode and whether they, or not they want to, you know, do this. This is what we're going to call a therapy episode where we just let it all out because this is a lot to handle. And I think every Tigers fan needs to just, you know, have that emotional release and just just have that moment of this is what's going on and let it all out. I I love that because this is a much needed therapy session because let's, let's just kick it off. I mean, we go from ending May and being in a very, very competitive race for first place in the AL Central, which we've done, covered at nausea, that we understand the AL Central is not the most, maybe maybe not even the best league and, and, and division that, that could ever be drawn up in major leagues. Probably one of the worst, actually. But it's still fun. It was still fun to be in competitive baseball games and, and play games that are meaningful. That was fun. And that was only a week ago. But then, one lowly Tigers injury report comes out. And out of nowhere, our world is shattered. And it was about to get much worse. But the first injury report we see is that our boy Matt Vierling has some lower back soreness. Okay. Not not the worst thing ever. 
He might get some cortisone shots. He's going to get examined. Some MRIs showed some lumbar stress and inflammation. Okay. All right. Yeah, it's a couple weeks. That hurts. That kind of sucks. You know, he's a, he's an imposing presence in the Tigers lineup. He gets on base a lot. Okay. That same injury report. Eduardo Rodriguez. Out of nowhere. The same Eduardo Rodriguez that pitched two days before and regained some maybe less than stellar performances from two starts, three starts, maybe he had less than stellar performance. Then he goes out, throws a great game, regains some fans. We like it. Then has an interview with the Bally Sports crew. Does not allude to any of this issue of an injury coming into play. And then the next day is thrown on the 15-day IL with one of the strangest injuries to come to a pitcher that I I remember in in my time as being a a baseball fan. Uh, Pulley rupture, left index finger, pulley rupture. Just, I mean, anything you read about this on any kind of website, WebMD, anything you look up on Google, it's the entire map of, of rehabilitation time, surgery may be needed, whatever it may be. We, we still don't know. Now this is a, a week later. We, he's getting examined by the Philadelphia finger doctor. <laughs> And we, we still don't know what, what the timetable is for Erod, but here's a guy who has just gone out and been the most dependable pitcher for the Tigers the entirety of the year. And at one point, and still arguably still was in the conversation for a Cy Young Award first half of the year, and even striking up some trade controversy because he's on a option year on the I.L. Josh, before Wednesday's game of last week, what were your thoughts when you saw these couple players, these big-time players, go down on the I.L.? I mean, I, I like probably every person was... I, I got the tweet. I have notifications on for the Tigers PR Twitter account, and I saw that they tweeted that he was going on the I.L., and there was a bunch of other moves that were going on. I think Veerling was on that same tweet, and there was there was other other corresponding moves that we can get into at some point. But it just out of nowhere, I watched and listened to the entire interview that Erod did on the Belly Sports broadcast, and I mean, after it all came out, you they they go back and him. Erod's last inning of work in that start you can see him as he's coming off the field looking at his hand and even in the dugout after just kind of messing with his finger so clearly something happened very late in that start and I you know shout out to him for keeping it under wraps like that because I mean out of nowhere but just at that point it was very much a next man up kind of thought in my head because you know with Lorenzen starting to pitch really well for us and with you know hopefully some some guys coming back soon off the IL on the pitching side I assumed we'd be able to cobble something together to get us through at that point if that's the only thing we're dealing with 
Verling will go down. We'll have to figure out somebody to come up for him, and we'll figure it out at this point. This team's in a good place. We're playing some good ball baseball. We'll, we'll be okay. We did decently when Erod had his two or three rough starts, even. So if it takes him a little bit, we don't, again, don't know the timetable. It You know, it is what it is. We'll have to figure it out. We did it all last year and, you know, mixed results, clearly. But we, it is what it is. We'll figure it out. Still, still very optimistic is the answer. Yeah, and I think that reaction resonates. I think it was not detrimental to what we had put forward on the field. Um, you look at, really on just paper, a starting pitcher has the effect of one every five games. Okay, so we can, we can make that work. Yes, he was the workhorse of the rotation, and he was having a great year, and we don't like the no timetable kind of answer because it's scary, and, and it, it also places the front office in a really weird position, but we can make it through. Next man up. Then, that same game, the, the game that followed the injury report, Riley Green makes a play in center field. And something just doesn't look right. Something, he it looked like he winced and he tweaked and it just, he didn't look like the stallion of the outfield that we're very used to seeing him and, and really just make plays look easy, even the ones that are not easy. Something just didn't look right with him. And... We hear after the game that he did petition to stay in the game, um, but AJ thought it better after he reported um, after his... So I think he had one at-bat, then he said to the dugout, he said to the team that he feels some weird feeling in his left leg. They let him go out there for the... Um, for his time out in center field for the next half inning. And then makes that weird wince, makes that weird play. It was the final out of that inning, so it just worked out. I wonder if it wasn't the final out, what AJ would have done. Doesn't look great. Okay. Then we get really, really worried when Ibanez comes in and pitch hits for Green. And we're like, what in the name is happening? And part of me was like, oh, of course. Like this, this is just how it goes. Like th this is this is the Tigers. Every year it seems like that this is what happens to the Tigers. But then another part of me is like, and eh, maybe it's just something small. You know, like may maybe maybe it is something that just is is just he just had some kind of nagging thing or or whatever it may be. But then. They don't announce anything about it. There, it was like the third or fourth inning when he came out of the game. Nothing is said. Nothing is said. Nothing is said. No one's reporting anything on Twitter. And the Tigers still will not announce anything. And then we even get to AJ's press conference after the game. And he says, yeah, Ryder's being evaluated. We don't have any updates. And it's like, uh. The what? longer it went with no information, the worse it grew, at least in my mind. It was just the, like, 
at yeah. least yeah yeah exactly and 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 what what's so scary about that is is the tigers know what kind of player they have on their hands they they know that well and, and also too they know the fan base that they have in their on their hands too they they know that everyone's <laughs> like perusing twitter looking for an update looking to see what kind of scoop they can get from anywhere and the fact that they're trying to keep this locked up and then also they're not saying anything about it speaks volumes to the situation that they have on their hands. Now, I can get it. Like, they want to get MRIs. They want to know the extent of the damage. But if he was okay, they would have said something that night. That there would have been there would have been some kind of communication that things are going to be okay for he Riley. And he'll be day-to-day. Like, whatever. Right, exactly. And... Another curveball in all of this, and I don't know how much it actually has to do with the Riley injury, but the Tigers did make a transaction for Jake Marisnik, who was hanging out in AAA Charlotte for the White Sox. They were going to release Marisnik, um, who is of Astros fame. He won a World Series with Jake Marisnik. He, he won a World Series with AJ in 2017 with the Astros. And so AJ knows him well, and it looked like it was just going to be a AAA kind of minor league transaction. And so we were kind of waiting on the update for that as well. And obviously with the gravity of the situation, AJ's press conference had a lot of questions and a lot of uh, holes to fill. And then he added on at the very end, like, while there's no update on green, we did make that transaction for Jake Marisnik. He will be in a Tigers uniform tomorrow. And one thing he did add, he was like, that has nothing to do with the Riley situation. We were going to call him up anyways. I think it had more to do in reactionary to the Veerling situation. They want another right-handed presence. And we all know Marisnik does not bring a lot offensively, but he can defensively make some plays. And then it just so happened that Riley went down too. So they just, they needed an outfielder, period. And so here we are. On, I guess, the end of May 30th, the very end of May, where Riley absolutely carries us, finishes this the month with over 300 average, and it's all taken away from him. The official word that next day was a stress fracture in his left leg. That was before any injury report came out. And so I guess MRIs revealed that there was some kind of fracture in um, his left leg. And then an injury report comes out and they've since retitled it, which makes it sound a bit better in that um, it's now a stress reaction in his left leg. But there is still very little timeline for for what this is and, and really what we have upon us. But the 2023 DJR Tigers have officially been bitten by the injury bug. How are we feeling, Josh? Where are we I, at? I tend to categorize it more as a reinfection from last year. We didn't quite get rid of the bug. You know, <laughs> it, it, it flared up again, if we're going with the medical terminology. Yeah, dude, it just... I don't, and and maybe it speaks to to Riley and the type of player he is and what he means to this franchise, but I've never seen a singular player getting injured do more to the morale of a franchise 
and it's happened twice now. I was just going to say that. Like, it's this is the second time it's happened, and it, it, the feeling it has so much weight. If you can feel the stress of the clubhouse seeping onto the field, it, it is amazing. This dude has less than 500 plate appearances in the majors, and he is the face of the Tigers. He is the face of a franchise, and I, I mean... I don't. I'm not a fandom of of any other teams or any other um, sports organizations like I am the Tigers, and so I don't know if if this is the only case of this happening or or the only um, situation where they let one player be the catalyst of the organization. And maybe you can speak to that too. Maybe there are situations where where that is the case. But why is it that this one thing affects the Tigers so drastically? I, there's, the issue with it is there's no other sport comparable to baseball. Like, you look at other sports like football. There are so many football players in circulation within other organizations, practice squads, whatever. You can fill a hole. Now, is it going to hurt the organization? If it's a quarterback, running back, you know, star player like that then it might but it's not going to ruin the morale of your whole team like this i mean the only thing i can think of is like basketball but basketball there's five players on the court so if you lose one of them that's 20 percent of your team so i don't think that's very comparable but yeah man i it is something weird with this and we tried i well we i shouldn't say we I tended to put it on the Erod situation last year. It's becoming more and more apparent that that Riley Green injury really hurt that team, hurt the team last year, in morale ways that we can't even imagine at this point. And so, yeah, I mean, I something has to happen with this team. And I know you and I talked about it a little bit, uh, a couple or might have been yesterday. But if Riley Green being healthy and on the team means this much to this team, then something has to get looked at here because injuries happen in sports. Like that's a thing, especially baseball. When every single thing you do in the game is such a finely tuned, you know, timing and precision and things. If you get hurt, that messes up a lot. And if you go on the IL that it could take you a while to get back. That's something that happens in baseball. And if you're depending on one guy to not get hurt, or else your whole season goes down the tubes. That's that's not a way to build a roster. That's not a way to build a culture in a in a, in an organization. Well, and that was something I was gonna gonna ask you, and I was gonna phrase it like this: Do, you know, does it speak to how good Riley is, or does it speak to how weak the Tigers are? I, I think it's definitely how weak the Tigers are. I was I was telling yeah. somebody uh, yesterday it's. And I think I even told you earlier today too, like if we were the, uh, just for an example, if we were the Dodgers and this was Mookie Betts going on the aisle, that team isn't sunk by any stretch of the imagination. That team is not, is not down the drain. Their whole season isn't over because they're one of their best players is, is injured. And that's because the quality of the organization, the quality of the culture they have, 
they have James Altman. They have, I know, Trace Thompson, RIP, Trace Thompson on the Tigers. Yeah, he just went that yeah. They got JG, JG though. Martinez can play the outfield. They have so many other options. Plus, I'm sure they've got eight other minor leaguers well ready to come up and shove and do amazing things that we've never heard of before. That just speaks to the strength of the organization, the strength of the roster construction. A good baseball team has that. This Tigers team, all told, from top to bottom of the roster, of the 40-man roster, of the 26-man roster, it's not a good baseball team. Not, not built to withstand injuries. And we've seen it for the last, basically the last 18 months. It, it just doesn't hold up. It's just so crazy, too, because we, we started the season and we were, like, worried about how much left-handed hitting players, how many left-handed hitting players were out in the outfield. And now we're left with one. <laughs> and his and he didn't even the start the year on the opening day roster. And then the opening day roster, yeah. And, and the fact that we're here now and we can't even begin to look like a capable baseball team against a right-handed pitcher is just amazing and and it, i mean it's sad it, it really is i mean I, th- this is a true test for our, our buddy scott harris this is a true test for ownership as a whole um it, it's silly you're right that this one player has such an effect on us and and i really do think that we're still winning baseball games even if just erod and veerling are the names that we're, we're talking about in in the in the minor league or sorry in the in the major league uh, injury report um, but something about Riley is is the catalyst, and and we talk about uh, the whole month of May, and we talk about, um, you know, obviously McKinstry had a great month, and um, Badu had his moments, and and Javi had his moments, and and you know really the whole team played to the their strongest capabilities, but you know now we're a week removed, and now we have <laughs> some really really awful baseball games that have come and gone and we can really see the tangible effect that one Riley Green has on the entirety of this team and it it shouldn't be built like that it, it really shouldn't it's good when he's there it's fun when he's there but you you can't let one guy be the entirety of your franchise and I mean you know maybe not to be too flippant with it but I I wonder if that's something that the Angels got really really wrong which was put their entirety of the organization on Mike Trout and I mean Mike Trout kind of injury prone he's he's hurt quite a bit and Maybe it's the same thing. Maybe when that clubhouse doesn't have Mike Trout performing at Mike Trout levels, it, it's just it, the whole thing blows up. And that's the danger. That's the danger with uh, putting all of your all of your clout in, into one guy. And, you know, since then, AJ's said all the right things. Maybe he hasn't necessarily done all the right things, but, I mean, what can you do um, when, you're, when you're only given so much? as a as a manager and you know he's got he says we got to figure out how to win we got to figure out how to win without him it is what it is i mean torque's gone on record so yeah it sucks but what are we gonna do we're gonna sit and mope or are we gonna you know hopefully try and 
play still some competitive baseball and win some baseball games. Like, I'd rather do the latter. Yeah, that's great. We can talk about that. But the way you approach the entirety of the game bases around your buddy also playing in the same lineup. And you have, I'm not, I'm, you know, Torque has done great things this year. He's not done much since Riley went on the IL. But if you can prove to me that you can hit the baseball when your buddy's not in the lineup, great. But so far you have it. And so, and, and, and that doesn't just go for you. That goes for the entirety of the team, even someone like, McKinstry, who was absolutely raking and just gets on base all the time, even the last five games, six games for him have not been great. And so I don't know if it's a, you know, a, a team meeting they've got to have. I don't know if it's a, a reshuffling of uh, organizational pieces from Scott Harris, bringing new people in, calling some people up. I, you know, there, There's countless answers to it. But there's got to be something that rejuvenates this team because we're in the midst of a four-game losing streak that you and I were talking about could easily turn into 10, 15, and, and as crazy as it sounds, maybe even 20 if we're like being completely honest. But this team does not look like a team that can play with the big dogs. We have now played the Chicago White Sox, who we demolished in a four-game series last week. We, we, we took them to town. There were some competitive baseball games. There were, and, and they won one of the games. But we were the better team. It just, it just was the way it was. And then you fast forward a week, and we get swept by the same exact team that we faced before. They had Liam Hendricks come back in, in, in the week that, that we had not faced them. That team was the same exact team, and we looked like a Little League baseball team against them. We almost got no hit by the Phillies tonight. The Phillies, they have a lot of names. They have a lot of really good players on their team, and they'll figure it out. I'm not, not discounting that. Aaron Nola is a fantastic pitcher. But we're better than that. We're way, way, way better than that. And it, it, it becomes a question of how we move forward, and we got to stop looking back. How we do that? Well, we have some ideas. We have some ideas. I guess to wrap up the injuries and, and the moping a bit about that, uh, the Tigers also placed Alex Fajardo on, on the on the IL as well a few days later uh, with uh, right middle finger discomfort. Um, he is seeing the same specialist that Erod's going to be seeing, so people are making joke about them uh, sharing an Uber and maybe splitting an Uber. Well, I mean, we're um, going to have but a again, freaking rewards punch card here in a minute. At- the doctor's office pretty much pretty much uh, <laughs> um i i think that's less detrimental again than than the other three that we we highlighted before but still it goes to the fact that i mean Fido was turning a corner you know and it just goes to, to show like as soon as guys start to really produce and really start to be meaningful um players that contribute it's just taken right away from them and it's unfortunate, but it's baseball. Like you said, it, it is baseball. There's 162 games, and it's just you got to figure out what's next. So in the five games that we've played since Riley going on the IL, Tigers are 1-4. They won the first game, and it looked like some rays of hope. Mariznick came in, his first game as a Tiger, 
made a statement, made some really impressive plays out in center field, which credit to him, he's done the entirety of his time out there. He's really kept it together because that outfield is abysmal without someone defensively that can run down a baseball. So kudos to you, Jake Marisnik. And he scored the game-winning run. That was fun to watch. That was a cool game, right? Yeah, I mean, it, at that moment, we were like, okay, I th- maybe maybe we'll be okay. Maybe we'll figure some things out and win some ball games without these guys. Maybe maybe it'll work. We won that game 3-2. to two. We've scored six more times since then, and we've lost all four games. We've scored a total of nine times since Riley Green went on the IL. That has got to be some kind of record. To be completely fair, though, and I think this is important context, we were in a little bit of an offensive slump before he got injured, too. So some of this could be a little bit of spillover from that as well. But It's like an exclamation yeah, point. Yeah, that's probably a more apt description. But, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's offensively we have looked very non-threatening at the plate. And it, it shows up on nights like tonight when we have Wentz blow up as he tends to do when when they score five runs in the first five innings and we don't score any, I mean, that's basically game over because we know what this team is going to do. We know how they're going to react. Shout out to Maton. Shout out to Maton. Hit a little bit of a home run. Hit, hit a curveball. He just punched his, punched his uh, major league playing card for the next two months and has secured his spot. He did hit a curveball. You're right. You're right. He finally figured out how to hit a curveball. I think I could hit that curveball. Yeah, that, that was a spinner. Let's be clear. Sure. That, that was. <laughs> he broke up the no-no though, and like that. That if we had gotten no hit, which looked very possible from some of the swings and in some of the plate approaches that we had all night, that would have been the icing on the cake. I mean that that would have that would have cued AJ to do things that he doesn't usually do, which is like team meetings and, and talking and like actually hashing things out. He's not a big proponent of those things. He's just very much like, all right, on to the next. We got to figure out a win tomorrow's game, which has its pros, has its cons, but he's not a big proponent of getting the team all in one room and hashing out some problems. I think if they had gotten no hit tonight, you would have saw a very different AJ. You would have saw a very, very um, in distress Tigers organization, but thankfully that didn't happen. We, we move on to tomorrow's game. But, Josh, if you're Scott Harris, what do you do? Yeah, that's a, that's a, it's a very tricky question. And I, I even had this kind of a, a discussion with some folks on Twitter. Shout out to everybody on, on Twitter. Shout out to Grizz, who was, uh, had, some, had a really good mindset on the team. I appreciate the the common sense going on over there. Uh, It's really going to depend on what he's allowed to do and what, you know, the planet, because his plan has never been make transactions to make this team better or or even like big splash moves to make this team better. So uh, what he will do and what he should do, I think are two separate things. This team needs an offensive infusion of like no one's business. And, as things are currently playing out, I don't think we have one in the organization. 
uh, Justin Henry Malloy has cooled off quite a bit. Uh, you've got guys like um, Parker Meadows who have cooled off quite a bit since his strong spring. Uh, it's it's just there's not a whole lot of in internal answers to this question, and I think if we had had some of these internal answers, we would have you know called them up by now. Um, it's it's really going to depend on what he is allowed to do from ownership and stuff because if if they're serious about winning ball games and about improving the team we would make moves that mirror that and and moves that mirror that in the place where this team is right now i'm not saying we need to give up the farm to go get Shohei Otani tomorrow i don't think that's wise i don't think that's a smart baseball choice for where this team is at what i am saying is there's some guys that we could go get. There's, uh, he's been doing it already. Like it or not, that Jake Marisnik move is excellent. Perfect for what the team needed yep. at the time. Low, low key before yep. the Riley Green injury. If you're re- responding to the Nick Bain, or the not the Nick Painton, the uh, Matt Veerling injury, if that's the response to the Veerling injury, that's a perfect pickup. Defensive outfielder, which we need. A bat that's not going to probably blow you out of the water, which is probably the equivalent of Veerling at this point. Give a guy a chance that has some experience, has some familiarity with AJ. That's a great pickup. It's not a Riley replacement, and I think we're no one. No one is is assuming that he's going to come in and offensively replace Riley. But it's and anyone we pick up is not going to either. Like that, that, let's be key on that one too. Like the, we understand it's going to be a, a group, some move has a to group be. effort mm-hmm. to replace Riley. And I think that's the, that's the mindset that has to be of this team is, you know, we don't have the ability to go get or anybody on this team is not Riley green. So we're not going to be able to just copy paste, replace Riley green. We're going to have to pick up. Some people are going to have to pick up the slack where if you can find somebody that can go get, the Dodgers picked up Trace Thompson last year from the Tigers, and he's starting in their outfield right now when he's healthy. That's a move that we could go and get, right. and it's something that Scott Harris has been really good at doing in his tenure as a leader of fran- different franchises, especially with the Giants. He went out and made a better player out of a bunch of guys like Jock Peterson. So there are guys that are out there that we can turn around and we can actually turn into some dependable bats and some bats that are going to get some production for us who those people are i'm not the expert at that i don't know i don't have any ideas at this point i've not been looking into it like that but if i know scott harris and from the limited amount of time that he's been a part of this organization i think i've we've grown to know kind of his thought process on some of these things is he's going to figure out some stuff He's already come up with some answers for things that we didn't know. We, we, we weren't ready to answer, like the Zach McKinstry move, like the Maton uh, Veerling move. So I think there's some, some opportunity here. Now, do some of the minor leaguers get called up at this point? I think that's a possibility. I think that might move up the timetable on guys like Malloy. It's already moved up the timetable on guys like Olsen, who we can talk about a little later. But there's there's a lot of opportunity here. And if you want to look at it as a positive, there's definitely some things that you can look at where you can say, we could find out some things about this organization and about Scott Harris that's going to carry us pretty far into the future. 
I'm surprised Malloy hasn't gotten the call yet. I like I, I'm like as soon as the Riley stuff happened and we really figured out the extent of it, I'm like, yeah, there there he is on a bus to Chicago at that point. His, but his now it's Philadelphia. Really I'm, bad, dude. I I get it, dude. I understand. And like at that at like I here's the thing. I don't think it matters. Like I like you just need some kind of excitement. Yeah, like, like the the fan base, the team, the some like you just need something. I know that's a lot to put on a kid. That's not and, and that that is what it is. Like that that's just if you choose to look at it that way, that's on you and and that's on Malloy if he chooses to build that pressure and, and wear that pressure. He doesn't have to because it doesn't have to be that way. It just is it just is a call up that that can be hap- that that can happen. Now, the interesting about Malloy is really he's an infield option, and they just recently started playing him in the outfield, and you know I, I don't know how that's been going. It's really just been an experiment, but he's mostly been a DH and infield option, and even his defense is quite questionable. Um, so if, if there's any reason why they didn't call him up, it's probably those couple things. But just, an, just a bat that can handle something. The, the, other, the other thing is... is while we're not going to call up someone like Colt Keith, who's who's in the minors, right, and he's in Double A as opposed to Triple A, calling up Tyler Nevin instead of Malloy, who, if you're going to make the argument, oh Malloy's a right-handed bat and Riley's a left-handed bat, but then you call up Tyler Nevin, what what has Nevin done? What what is what is his roster spot doing? that Malloy's is going to be any worse. That That's the part that I can't square. It's like, okay, yeah, I get it. You know, maybe he's not going to set the world on fire and he had a bad May, but we, we already know that Nevin is is not the answer, and we know that he 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 literally looks like he's guessing, guessing on every pitch. That might be a bit of a over understatement. Yeah, exactly. It is an understatement. I mean, like he, he, he does not know what's coming. Is, sidebar. He does not. Nevin, is he wearing a different helmet than everybody else? It looks like his helmet is like <laughs> Maybe a the size minor league too helmet. big. <laughs> no, it's not it's, the minor league helmet. It's it weird. It doesn't dude. have the dual flaps, but I know what you're talking about. I know what you're talking about. I just, I'm just dumbfounded. Like, what is the hesitancy? Uh, he, he can try and figure out his defense in in the minor or in the majors, but he's figured out everything he needs to figure out in the minors. And, and yes, his track record in the last month has not been great, but look at his last three years of professional baseball up until May. And you can see a complete somewhat produced product that it's time for him to see what he can do. And if he doesn't work out, he doesn't work out. It's just a, it's just another Nevin at that point. So it's like, whatever, who Nevin? cares? So that'd be the Nevin first thing I would do. for 34, by the way. He is. I mean, if you want to have that conversation, we can talk about Nick Maton too. But whatever, that's, that's neither here nor there. Um, that'd be the first thing I do, and that would have already happened. And then I'm still surprised that hasn't happened. Whatever. The second thing I would do is I would end Kerry Carpenter's rehab assignment Ooh. yesterday. Ooh. End it. End it. There. He's not going to come and play in the outfield. He's not. They've already rushed him to the point of, yeah, you're coming back as a DH, dude. There is not a menacing left-handed bat in this lineup outside of the one out of five million chance that Nick Maton decides to hit a baseball that night. 
No one on that team is scary from the left side. I would have I would have shipped Kerry Carpenter to the White Sox, Chicago, and again now same thing. I now would have shipped him to Philadelphia. I, I cannot disagree if with he's, that more. Dude. If he, he is he has not looked good at AAA. Yeah, no, he hasn't. You're right. He yeah, he went over three with like three strikeouts in his first rehab game. No, yeah, I get it. These are these are dire times. These are dire times. I would have made sure Kerry Carpenter was the first person that I. If he's ready to play baseball, why is he? What is he doing? Is he a major leaguer or is he not? Dude, he's on a rehab assignment. I get, but but that's the thing that he's really not. He's not playing in the outfield. He's just batting. And if he's if he's playing baseball games, what's the difference? Uh, dude, it's there's so much going on with a rehab assignment outside of a of just hitting. I mean, he's going through. He's. I I, I agree with you. But they've already said that it's not going to be him playing in the outfield. He's ha- he hasn't. He's not. He's if not playing in the outfield. So what else is happening? If you have a defensive player, a player that can play defensively, who's hitting awful, and a player who can't play defensively, who's hitting awful, that you want to get healthy, why would you not let the guy get healthy if you're going to get the same amount of production with Nevin as you're going to get with with Carpenter? I understand the lefty righty difference. Well, I I understand. Yeah, that, that that's the reason. But there's, yeah. I mean, that's that, that's, that's who. Answer. Yeah. You're, he's not doing anything more against righties than Nevin would do. No, I disagree with that. I 100% he's hitting with that. 148. At least like Casey. It's a rehab assignment. It's a rehab Casey, assignment. If you, but you he just said it's least... a rehab assignment. He's not really a rehab assignment. He's, no, 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 I meant that he as struck in out like, 22 no, 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 I meant times that. and walked three times. So, are you, so what are you saying? So you're saying that Kerry Carpenter's done with his rehab assignment you don't call him up? Is that what you're saying? You're saying that you leave him in AAA? I'm saying that he's going to have to prove that he can hit Major League pitching before I put him on a Major League roster. No shot. He's already done that. Not he's already done that. Yeah, that, I, I disagree with you. So, I, I, again, that that's fine. I, I understand. But he is the only real inside the organization because, again, like we... I'm not convinced that Scott is going to go out and, and get a guy that's an impact player. Um, the one name that I did see that would be really compelling and it would take some pride swallowing from the entirety of the organization, but Cesar Hernandez is, mm. is now a free agent again. Mm-hmm. Um, cool to have a guy like that on your team. Do you are you saying that sarcastically, like as in like you don't think he should be no, on the I'm team, saying, or are you saying, saying that sarcastically, like, like we did have him on our team and also let yeah, him go. exactly. You didn't, yeah, you didn't love him when he was here, though. Yeah, I did. You, you you protested. Okay, okay. I in our pre in our roster prediction, I had him on on the roster mm-hmm. over okay. I think Carpenter and Badu. Nice. Okay, yeah, there you go, there you go, and then, yeah, he, he should have been he should have been on the team, and and they let him go, and. I don't think he'll come back because of exactly what I was talking about. The <laughs> we already let him go once, and, and now now they'd have to swallow their pride and, and get him again. But that would be the type of player we get on the you know the waiver wire. Someone who's been DFA'd recently. The impact player is going to lie within the organization if there is such an impact player. And if you're going to make a move, one. 
make one that a player he's already seen Major League hitting and he's from the left-handed side, and yes, he has not looked good during the entirety of his rehab assignment. I get it, but what are you going to do? You're going to leave that guy in the minors? I mean, his rehab assignment's probably pretty close to being done anyways. I mean, I don't, I don't think that there's much left. So then you have to explain away, okay, well, why are, we, why are we leaving him down when he could potentially help the team? But he's proven that he can't. Again, the rest now. of the roster. I'd rather have Parker the, Meadows the rest of the, than Kerry Carpenter. Well, we, I mean, there are reasons why that's not going to happen. But, yes, I hear you. I hear you on that one. It would be kind of um, cool if we had a left-handed hitting outfielder that has proven major league experience that could be a part of this ball club. But I don't know where we would find someone like that. Could be his brother. <laughs> could be his brother. Um, the other thing I would do, and I would do this now seeing the state of where the lineup is, and this is more on AJ than on Scott, is I would move Javi down four spots in the lineup. To, to In that case, that'd be sixth, but fifth or sixth in the lineup and have us have one really good chance with runners on to get those runners Yeah, but home. then he'll forget how many outs there are we- and he'll run into an out on the bases. <laughs> That's cruel. That's really cruel. <laughs> hey, hey, if there were if there were less than two outs and he gets thrown out and he's covering the person from home, the run scored. That's true. That's so true. I mean, that's more than they can say right now. And we've proven time and time again that we can get on base. Like tonight, whatever that Aaron Nola, he's a great he's a great pitcher. You know, whatever we've proven time and time again though that we can get on base and we can work the walk and. Like we finished May with literally double the amount of walks of any other team, close to it. It wasn't quite double, but it was pretty darn close. And we can get a base hit every once in a while. We're not going to run into one. We we know that we're not going to hit a lot of home runs. And we know the feeling we have when Javi's up with runners on. It's just a better feeling. It's just a different feeling. So anywhere in the mix of four, five, and six. That's where Javi needs to be batting. I don't understand why we're throwing out the lineup and he's batting second. I get the whole he, we want more at-bats. I understand that argument. I, I get it. But what are at-bats if they're not meaningful? Javi's not an on-base guy. He's not a guy that's going to get on base and, and sit there. And, 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 then, and then even if he does get on base, who's going to drive him in? That's what I would do. I, I would do those two very easy things. And then if, if those things don't work and we're still looking at a very dismal display of offense, then you can go outside and then you, know, you, can, you can look at exterior options that will try to, like you said, replace Riley in the aggregate and hopefully make somewhat of a of a competitive baseball team on the field cuz we're we're the best triple a team there is right now like that that is just that is and and, and honestly I don't even I know if we're the best say, that I, might be a little maybe a little preemptive there I don't, now, now I'm thinking about it there might be a better triple a team than us and at least we don't do what soccer does where they replace the worst team at the end of the year that make it kind of exciting but I, there are worse 
major league teams than us. We're not the Oakland A's. Uh, yeah. But we're pretty down on this situation, Josh. And we have some disagreements of, of how to handle the situation. But I think we both have fair answers as far as how to handle it. But the burning question is, is all hope lost? Is the season destroyed? I don't think so. And I think that's one of the nice parts about it is we're going to get some guys coming back here at some point. I mean, like like it or not, I do think Kerry Carpenter will make his return to this team. I mean, name any guy on the IL outside of Mize and I'm trying to think of who else is, is out for the year. But anybody else, like, they'll – they're trying to come back this year. I mean, Scoobal made his first rehab start, which is super exciting. He shoved at West Michigan. just going to mention that. I'm just going to give you the chance to talk about it, how we feel. We're, we we're pumped. We're that. excited. I mean, it's two innings at the at the Whitecaps, so let's not get ahead of ourselves too much. But it's it's a great start, and it, he's sitting at 96 miles an hour, which is the biggest thing because velocity is very important to his, his pitching style. But – Anytime you get somebody back and they can Im- improve the performance of the team, I think is super, super welcomed, especially where a team has kind of lost some of that. So we'll have uh, them coming, him coming back, hopefully probably before the All-Star break or maybe right after the All-Star break. Um, and then, yeah, dude, some of these young kids coming up have been... Matt Manning, too. Oh, Matt yeah, Manning Matt Manning. I mean, right how long does it take to rehab yep. a broken toe? Well, we we thought it'd be quick, but apparently him and Tor or him and Torque, him and uh, Tarek are on the same trajectory. They they are right on the same field. Uh, Scoobal just started his rehab assignment. Apparently, Manning's going to throw one more bullpen session, and then he's going to start a rehab. Remember assignment. when so, they very weren't sure whether they were going to put him on the IL or not? Sorry, I just thought you were talking about Casey Mize for a second. Sorry, and, and then then they ended up. Getting Tommy John for Casey Mize. Sorry, that was a weird I flashback. I don't think you, you can were get saying? Tommy John for a toe, but who knows? Um, <laughs> it's probably some surgery that he needed <laughs> that he didn't get. Um, dude, the, some of these young guys I think are going to surprise us, and no one better to talk about than I think Reese Olson. Dude, how we? I've been keeping a track of that guy for a while since the Norris trade. I watched him pitch once for the Whitecaps. He looked pretty good at that point, and I've been really excited about him. I thought that was kind of an under-the-radar get for the Tigers. Uh, I didn't know he had that in him. I didn't know he was he was that like that. Man alive. I don't know if you were got to see much of that game. You said you were on the, out on the lake, I believe. But, man, he made some people's jaws drop. And not just in the Tigers organization, in the White Sox organization. Apparently, there was a lot of folks over there that were like, how did he have a 6 ERA at, in AAA? And every Tigers person ever was like, yeah, we have no idea. We have no idea. He looked amazing. That was probably one of the best debuts for a starting pitcher we've had in a long time. 1972, I mean, that was- Tungsten Arm or Doyle or somebody was was the number right. i heard so right and and i'm not even necessarily just talking about like numbers and what it finished out as i mean you know as it goes he got the loss because our offense is dismal at this moment 
but I'm talking about pure stuff. Like, I even, like, I very vividly remember Casey Mize's debut, and I really remember Tarek's debut as well. Neither of those guys who were highly touted and, and spoken as uh, the saviors of the Tigers organization at their time, and neither of them looked as sharp as Reese Olsen did. The dude had command, the dude had movement, the dude had poise. He looked like he belonged. And I'm so sorry, Reese Olsen, that you had to get a loss in that. I mean, that's just baseball. But, I mean, and I, and I hate to say this, but kind of goes to show that it doesn't really matter what your minor league <laughs> numbers are. That you can still make a debut and have an impact on the team. Of course, I'm I'm joking. Just a little dish at you to, for the Carrie Carpenter stuff. But he clearly can spin a baseball and can fool Major League hitting. And, of course, it's always going to be an interesting adjustment period. But when you go and have the start that he had and make a statement like that at – what is he? I think he's like 24, 25, right? He's super young. Uh, hold, please. And I said, what hold, I was going to look it up, but yeah. 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 And you go out and you shove like that, that it, it, and in a time when the Tigers truly needed a good start, like they truly needed a good start from, from Reese at that moment. And to live up to that, and to put up some of the numbers that he did, there you can't. I mean, you can't do any better than what than what he went out and and was able to put forward. Um, five innings pitched, two hits, two earned runs, one walk, and six strikeouts. And like you said, he caught the attention of not only the Tigers organization and Tigers fans, but one pitching ninja had like six tweets about him. And, you know, I watch baseball for the pitching. I, I, I watch baseball mostly for, for these kind of matchups. And I, I had zero thought that he was going to come out and, and do what he did. But kudos to him because, and really, and not just Reese Olsen, he's the highlight, but the entirety of the Tigers pitching staff has really risen to the occasion of Erod not being there, and at least in the five games that we've played since Erod went on the IL, they've shown a lot of poise, a lot of important moments of of control, and they can punch guys out. Overall, they've picked the slack from the from the Erod situation. Offense and the Riley situation, definitely on the other side of the, of, of the of the fence on that one. But I mean, like you said, you were able to watch the games a little bit closer, and specifically Reese's start. What, what do you see from him specifically? Yeah, dude, I the Sox hitters looked like he could they could not figure out what was going on. I mean, probably didn't have a whole ton of scouting on him with. I mean, but they had over twenty four hours to look at him. They announced he would be starting on Wednesday, I think. So it's something, something to look at. They, they didn't have a whole lot of looks at him. I think there obviously will be an adjustment period. Uh, something I wanted to point out, and I don't know that it was all his fault, but 
Will Vest kind of let the cat out of the bag there at the end. He only allowed that first hit. The, the His first hit that he allowed happened in the sixth inning when he came out for the sixth. That's right. I forgot I forgot to ma- mention that. He carried a no-hitter into the sixth inning. Good. Just and, and then those... Go, go you, kid. Those go first you. two, he allowed two hits back-to-back to start the sixth. AJ pulled him, brought in Vest, and Will Vest allowed those two runs to score, which, of course, went towards... Uh, Reese Olsen's numbers and gave him the loss with that so looking at his line score with two earned runs and all of that I don't think tells the whole story but it's something to look at where you know the ball rules a different way and he doesn't allow a run and only allows two hits in five innings pitch that's that's a heck of a start for a for a guy that's you know was a one-for-one trade for Daniel Norris it's that's that's a lot of value for that guy. So I'm excited to see start number two. Should be super fun. Uh, is that's he, what I was going to ask starting you. Against the Phillies? He's scheduled. Yep, yep. So he's the finale of the Phillies. We all know the White Sox are definitely not the offensive powerhouse that the Phillies can be, and the Phillies showed that they were tonight, beating the Tigers 8-3. to What do you think we'll see out of him? I think it's going to be fun to see that uh, change up against some of these lefties in this. Uh, he threw more against righties. This is true. In, in this is le- true, but there's not a whole ton of lefties in that, that lineup, though. Right, right. But the fact that he was willing to throw it still against against uh, righties was that that shows maturity, confidence like, in your we're, arsenal. We're talking dude. about right and. Typically, the righty-on-righty changeup is something that is reserved for the Greg Maddoxes of the world, or you know, it just it just doesn't usually make it even into the repertoire. And so you're you're left with he he seems to have two variations of his breaking ball, maybe one that's a little bit more of a slurve, and then one that's a little bit more of a coined the sweeper now. Um, but you usually just don't even throw that pitch against righties. And he was throwing it, and he was getting swings with it. And when you compare someone like him to Alex Fiedo, who will never throw the changeup to righties, and I get furious for it every single time because it's just like look, like, look at what could happen. Like, what do you have to lose? The worst that happens is if you throw it effectively, it's in the dirt, and they didn't swing and whatever. And, like, you know, maybe you're not going to throw it in a 3-2 count. Or, or, you know, like, you know, you're not going to throw it to walk the guy. But when you are ahead in the count and you want to throw your best pitch to get him out, why not throw it? If you if you know that, that that's going to be an effective pitch for you, yeah, do it. And do it well. And I, I, I am hoping that they don't absolutely destroy him come Wednesday. Um, he's probably going to have a little bit of a... Of a learning curve um no pun intended but he showed that he can effectively pitch around a major league roster and a major league lineup and that's all you can ask for in in his start and yes it's going to be a better offense that he's going to face but i think his his stuff plays and i think he can make some adjustments and he has one chris fetter on his side so i never i never doubt chris fetter so we have two more against the Phillies, and then we have 
three against the formidable Arizona Diamondbacks. Josh, are we going to win a game this week? I think we will we'll win at least two games this week. Wow. Okay, so we put an end to the losing streak. How long does the losing streak get to? I'm I'm willing to go on a limb. I think we win we win that uh, that finale, whether you know separate from what I think Olson's performance will be. Reese Olson does, yeah. So you're telling me we're not going to win the game that Tyler Alexander starts? You know, as as much as I love Todd the painter, I just don't think he gets mm-hmm. it done. <laughs> yeah, I, I think, especially when I think he's getting backed right. up by Garrett Hill. Yeah, that that is also that is also a thing that's gonna happen. Yeah, we just we need something though, dude. Like, I mean, the Maton Homer was was good. That was that was a big injection for this team, and and maybe a little bit of a spark. That was, albeit not a win, but maybe a moment they can cling to. It's like, okay, maybe we can score some runs. Maybe maybe we can jolt to you know, a jolt to the lineup, as they say. But uh, I don't have a lot of high hopes for this week. <laughs> I, I think we win maybe one game, and we... Uh, it helps that we got Arizona to, at I'm, home. It does. It's yeah, true. That's true. I, I was going to say... Oh, man, I'm just looking at it, too. We are the, uh, we're the Saturday Peacock game on... Uh, uh, or, sorry, the, the Sunday early Peacock morning, game. The early morning, 11.30 uh, one. The early morning, yeah. Yeah, yep. Um, so that'll be fun. But I was gonna say, like, I, I was trying to decide whether we are gonna hear good news or bad news from our two diagnoses of the of the finger situations from the finger doctors. Um, again, the the pulley rupture that Erod's dealing with is is so up in the air and so different from person to person that it could be weeks and it could be months. And so I, I I'm hoping and praying for for good news out of that. And then Fiedo sounds less worrisome. I mean, discomfort could be anything. They said it's something with his um, fingernail. Oh, that's right. I do remember seeing so, that. Yeah, you're right. There was something with may. his fingernail. So hopefully, right. So hopefully less of a less of a timeline on that one too. But Josh, you mentioned to uh, maybe lift our spirits a bit. We'd have a little bit of fun. We'd, we'd end this week's pod with a little bit of a game. What do you have in store for us? So I can't take 100% credit for this because I saw it on a different podcast, not this exact game, but something kind of similar with a different sport. But I'm going to kind of steal the idea, and I'm going to see what you know. This is exactly, I think this is pretty much exactly in your window of watching baseball. But from 20, the only stats I could really find on this is from 2010 until this, until the end of last year. The the records of different teams. It's interesting to see season over season where teams kind of land. Do you think you know kind of the records of teams over a long period of time and and kind of what they've been able to do? Ooh, are we talking like single season, or are we talking like the entirety of their organizational? So what I'm going to ask you to name and see if you can guess the best. The five best records overall since 2010, not including this year, and the five worst overall records from 2010 until the end of 2022 in baseball. Mm-hmm. I think I think I'm up for the There's challenge. There's some interesting names here. I think I'm up for the challenge. Can we start out Absolutely. with the best? That's what I feel most confidence in. Which 
watch. I'll just do <laughs> terrible. Um, the number one I want to go with is the Houston Astros. Ooh, Houston Astros are not there. Uh, I believe the early 2010s yeah, right. they had some were, bad the, 2010s. were the bad yeah. Astros. Yeah. And it's funny too because like I they, they popped it in my head. I'm like, yeah, I gotta go with them because of how good they've been. They, recently. they are number but ten, the, so they are, they are in the top ten, just not in the mm, top five. Yeah. Okay. 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 Uh, okay. Then I'm gonna go with the original answer that I should have, uh, the Los Angeles right, Dodgers. The, the best record team. Okay. Gosh, that's, made the plans for 10, 10 it, years it, out of those twelve years. You know, kids. You know, kids. On a multiple choice <laughs> test. The right answer is more often than not the answer that you originally picked. And that's why whenever a teacher tells you to go back and check your answers, it's a lie. <laughs> and they want you to do poorly on that test. Because you, whenever you go back and check your answers and you erase that bubble that was correct, well, you've just done yourself a disservice. But gosh dang it. Okay, yes, the Dodgers are on there. I'm going to uh, go with another soft toss answer, the New York Yankees. Okay, this is where things get difficult. Um, are the Atlanta Braves in the They are. They're number five. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I feel yeah. good about that. I feel good about that. So I'm missing two. Um, hmm. Are the St. Louis Cardinals number three? Man, number four is going to be tough. Oh, oh, I don't. It's not them. It's not. Dude, and and like as crazy as it sounds, I almost want to say someone like the Guardians or someone like, like something stupid like that. And, and, and now I can actually say it. The, the Indians. Um, Because, but I mean, even the Tigers might be in that conversation too. Are the Tigers no. in the top 10? No. What would you say? No, not, not even okay. close. Okay. And, and I'll give you this for free. Guardians, not in the top five. They're number seven, though. So it's not that far off of a guess. Oh, okay. Okay. Right, 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 right. Um, man, this fourth one is going to be tough, dude. The um, perennial hmm. team that always wins a ton of games. Yeah, right. And that's, I mean, I'm trying, yeah. Hmm. Don't give it to me. Don't give it to me. Always wins a bunch of games. I mean, the Giants on that. Giants are number eight. Always wins a bunch of games. The Red Sox. Red Sox are close. They're number six. Who's perennial that I'm missing? They always sneak under the radar, and nobody thinks about them until it comes playoff time. Yep, the Rays. Rays number four. Really? Oh, okay. I see. I, 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 don't know. I don't see. I don't know how good they were in the 2010s era. I just like that was really when I was only following the Tigers. So. It's, a, it's a sneaky team. Hmm. I was not ready for them to be in the top five either. I, I would have guessed top ten, but not not top five. Now these bottom five here are <laughs> there some interesting members down here. Give me Oakland A's. Not here. Number 13. Wow. Okay. 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 Okay
Okay. Give me Colorado yes, Rockies. Number 28. They are, they are okay. firmly in the middle of that mix. Yeah. Give me Orioles. Also here, number 27. Give me Reds. Reds is a really good answer. They're number 22. They, they had some playoff teams. They were very good. Um, the Marlins? The worst team since the 2010 wow. season with a 43% winning percentage. Oh, jeez. So how many do I have left now? So we are missing one, two. We are missing the second to worst team and the fifth worst team. The Cubs? The Cubs, uh, no, they are number 17. I mean, I know that, yeah, I mean, I know they had obviously the World Series, but they were I think those bad. World Series, the, the, even those playoff run teams kind of pulled them out of the bottom. They, they yeah, they, they balanced out. Um, I mean, okay, the team we're about to face this weekend, the Diamondbacks? Diamondbacks at 21. Not a bad guess. Not Dang a bad it. guess. Don't tell me the Tigers nope. are in this nope. list. Number There's 24. no way. We had, okay. 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 I was gonna say. Number wait, 24. We, we're, we're still down there, <laughs> but not not all the way in the bottom. Oh, my. Wait, what? You're telling me the teams of Miguel Cabrera in his prime and Justin Verlander in his rookie season onward. Well, okay. Well, it's 2010, so I don't know how fair that is. But it, good seasons of Justin Verlander. I don't think you quite understand how we're, bad we've been. I know we've been I know I get it um okay well I'm gonna go with the playoff drought that uh that uh, did they make the playoffs last year mm-hmm. the Mariners yeah so that they ended the playoff drought where, where are they at gosh dang I'm running out of guess <laughs> I'm running out of teams um the Pirates yep, the Pirates are there I can't believe I forgot that. I don't know why I forgot them I just that, that was stupid. Um, so I'm missing one. What's the number? This is this is number 26. Hmm. This is this is the one that I don't think you'll ever get. I'll never get. I just don't think you'll think of them as a losing team. San yeah. Diego yep. Padres. Yep. Now, you might have said too much, but you know what crept into my mind as soon as you said that? We used to call the Padres the team where players go to be forgotten and we hadn't thought of them like that in the last three or four years just because they they're just re-emerged as a powerhouse in the west but there was a time when the Padres were a laughing stock of of the entirety of the league so that makes sense that makes sense um I'm really really surprised that the Tigers are down they are right next to the Royals in the, in the winning percentage so that was another team I didn't guess. Hmm. I, you know why I didn't think of the Royals? Because they had, again, World Series. World Series. Yep. And I think, again, that's yeah. one that pulled them out of the bottom five. Such a weird time. Another, There's a couple ones that stick out to me here that have some really weird records. Uh, the Washington Nationals at number 11 was kind They're of good. They've been well, good. They won a World Series, but that's the only thing I could think of. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, the A's at 13 was kind of shocking to me, but then again, they made a lot of playoff team, a lot of playoff runs. 
there for a while. Uh, the Mets have only, I thought that they had only gotten good recently, but they are at number 14. And then, yeah, the mm-hmm. Brewers mm-hmm. at number nine, I would not have been able to guess them that I. They, they seem like a, a more of a middle of the pack team, but. Yeah, I was gonna say that. Well, I was yeah, I was gonna say like that that uh, that middle of the pack there. That's like not top five and not bottom five. That that middle that that's tough to sort out. Those are those are some teams that historically you would have felt like were were not that great. And but. this whole th- this whole group of teams, this whole thirty is only separated by about fifteen percentage points overall. So there's not a lot of. Uh, there's not a lot of a spread of different records here. Yeah, I think uh, in a 10-year span, or I guess in a 12-year span, um, the whole you know tanking, not tanking, winning, not winning. I feel like that all kind of mm-hmm. evens out because you know you only tank for well, I guess if you're the Tigers, you tank for eight plus <laughs> years. But I digress. Josh, where can the kids find us? You're on. Instagram, we are on TikTok, we are on Twitter, we have a YouTube page where we post shorts every now and again, we are on Reddit, we are on all of those social media platforms at the Old English D Pod, Old English D Pod, that is where you can find us. Uh, It is a lot more difficult to make content when there's not a lot of baseball, good baseball to make content about, and I hate making negative content as some of you longtime listeners could probably tell. But we are trying to put out some video content for you guys at least a few times a week. And if we get to it more than that, great. If we don't get to it that much, then we apologize. But we are trying to put out some videos for you guys. Just give our give our thoughts midweek if we can. And we're we're having some fun doing it when the team is uh when the team is performing well. It's a lot easier, I'll tell you that. I second that notion. It is a lot easier when when it's fun baseball that we're watching. Josh, thank you so much for joining me on our therapeutic run through this last week of baseball. It, that that was much needed, and I, I hope the hope the kids listening were were able to garner just a maybe just a ray of hope, but were also able just to commiserate with us. So thank you, thank you so much for joining, guys. Thank you so much for listening, and as always. Go Tigers.